Hello, good evening, everyone. Can you hear us okay? Good. Thank you ever so much for coming out and missing what was ever on uh, the Beeb or ITV or the sport. Did, did any football fans in? Did United win? Just. They only ever win just. They win on penalties. Well, okay, so City win the world. City will win the final then, okay. Okay, praise God. <laughs> um, hello. Uh, this morning, how many of you were in for, uh, listened to, to the word this morning? Were you with us so we got it for a point of reference? Don't worry if you weren't, that's okay. But uh, thank you for coming again. We, we looked at, uh, in the context of what the Lord has taken you through in the church about uh, the Holy Spirit and uh, the spirit of holiness, and, and we, we just fixed it on one aspect of the, of the vast picture that's being painted for you in the church right now, um, and that is the dimension of holy power, uh, that when we looked at uh, the power of God at work, and we looked at the metaphors, the motifs in the scriptures of the, the finger of God, the hand of God. And we saw the story of Moses, how he encountered a holy God. And it's really the first time that holiness becomes an issue in the scriptures, and it develops then. And uh, he meets a holy God who then d d demonstrates his power and tells him what he's going to do in Egypt. And remember, we saw the story about it how he threw his staff down and picked it up, and then he and Aaron did the same thing. And at the same time, what they're doing, they're demonstrating the holy power of a holy God, um, demonstrating his kingdom and his kingdom rule and his kingdom authority. That's always see those things in the big wider context. And that, that took us through then to and, and Jesus, where or the, the magicians, remember, they said, we can't do this, we can't replicate this, this creation miracle, because this is the finger of God at work, and we cannot, we cannot stand against it. Um, and then Jesus comes in the New Testament, healing the sick, doing good works, living a life under the control of the Holy Spirit, and his opponents don't like it, and they tell him that he has a demon, and he says, no, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, same thing, the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come to you. And then, can we turn to a scripture then? We, we finished with this this morning. That's where we'll pick up. And um, I'll hand over to Diane in a second. John chapter 14. Uh, and we said, we talked about, about going global. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. That, that doesn't mean we're going to sign you all up to go off unless the Lord takes you to South Africa again. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean that you're all going to go and leave Southport. Oh, who knows? Uh, no, I had that look, didn't I? No, it's not. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about what, that, what it means to go global. But we, Jesus said this amazing thing in John 14. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit in those chapters. He introduces them to the person and what the Holy Spirit's coming to do. And he says... That, and it's all the context is because I'm going away, the Father, and because I'm going to send you the Spirit of power, he says, because of that, he says in verse 12, now I assure you, anyone who believes in me, anyone, 
So that's anyone, not an elder or a home group leader or a musician. It's anyone. It's Lynn. It's en anyone. I love it. Anyone who believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Now, we said, so that doesn't mean you have to default to the walking on the water and all of that. Yeah, he did that. And he said, well, I haven't done that. Don't worry about it. He says, what he's meaning is, what I have been doing here on earth, the way I'm been living under the power of the Holy Spirit and the things I've been doing, the good works, everything I've been doing, the way I treat people, everything, you're going to do it too. Why? Because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. This holy power will be at work in you. And then he says, if that's not revolutionary enough, he said, you will do even greater things. Now, I, I think, well, okay, well, Jesus walked on water. I'm going to walk out over the Irish Sea. Mind you, I suppose if you, I, I've been to Ainsdale Beach. I never saw the sea. <laughs> I, walked, I must have walked out a half a mile, and a, it was about that deep. Um, many years ago, that was. But it's not like it's a competition. What he's saying is, we're going global. If when Jesus was on the earth, you wanted to see Jesus, you had to go where he was. But since he's gone and the Holy Spirit's come, you don't have to do that anymore. He's all over the place. It's a bit like, where's my friend, our friend from County Armagh? You're from County Armagh. Have you ever heard of Maud's ice cream? Do you like Maud's ice cream? It's very good, isn't it? Yes. Have you, have you ever had it since you've been over this side? No, you can't. You know why? You can't get it here. Maud's ice cream is just amazing. I'm glad I married an Irish girl. You can only get it in Northern Ireland. So if you want Maud's, you've got to go to Northern Ireland. It's a bit like Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, he was like Maud's ice cream. But now he's gone all Ben and Jerry's. Anybody ever eaten Ben and Jerry's? Do you know where Ben and Jerry's comes from? Vermont. They started in Vermont. But you don't have to go to Vermont to eat Ben and Jerry's. You can go anywhere. Asda. Asda. Yeah, go, go to Asda. But you won't get more in Asda. Jesus has gone all Ben and Jerry's. He's gone global. Why? Because we're here. And that's really what we're going to talk about. How we in our worlds take that spirit of Jesus very practically. So Diane's going to share now. You need that mic pet. So I'll go and get it for you. <laughs> I think you can do it, Gil. Don't you just want a Maud's right now? <laughs> Pooh Bear. I love the Pooh Bear. These are such interesting stools because we keep sort of rolling towards each other. <laughs> so we've got to put her foot on this thing to stop us moving. You might think she's fond of me. No, she just... <laughs> right, okay. um, obviously, I knew what we were going to share tonight. But as I was falling to sleep last night, God just brought something to mind, which is a little bit crazy. So you're going to have to bear with me on this. Um, and I'm going to just tell you a little story. Um, I've been watching a program at home. Um, I do, I, when I'm doing my ironing, I really don't like ironing. It's just not my most favorite thing. And I'm really fussy about ironing. So it takes a little while, has to be done. And uh, I was looking for something to watch while I was doing my ironing. And I found this program called 
Grace Across the World. You like Grace Across the World? Yeah. Isn't she, isn't she cool? <laughs> That's good, okay. Now just agree with everything I say. That's all I need you to do now, okay. So in this, in this program, Race Across the World, you have five couples and they're getting across from one part of the world to another. So one of them was from Mexico down to South America. One of them was from somewhere in Europe across to Singapore. And the, one, the latest one I'm watching is from west coast of Canada to the east coast of Canada. You must have a lot of ironing to do. I, well, you know. <laughs> You know, apparently my iron is not man-shaped, so he's not able to do the ironing. But anyway, so you've got, you've got the, these couples, and they're racing across the world, and they've got no telephones, they've got X amount of money that they're allowed to spend to get there, they're not allowed to go on an aeroplane, um, they're not allowed to have um, any transport other than transport they buy or transport they get a lift or, or something this Sunday. And uh, as I was going to sleep last night, um, God just reminded me of that program. Um, and just, to, just in the context of what we're doing and thinking of the power that we have, you know, these are five ordinary couples. You know, they're different ages, different races, you know, different stages of life. Um, but they start their race with exactly the same they got the exact same ability as each other, that they get the same amount of money as each other. They've all got a map, they've got everything they need, and they start their race together. Now, the thing with this race, there is a really amazing prize at the end, and they win 20,000 pounds. And the Lord just started to speak to me about this race, and it's a bit like us, you know? We all have exactly the same power and ability. There's not one of us has any more power or any more ability than the other. Yeah, that's right. And the race that we're running is the most amazing race that we could run because our ultimate goal is to be with Jesus in heaven. Now, that's hopefully going to take a long time for most of us. But we're running this race and we're running it together. And um, the Lord reminded me just of a couple of scriptures. This is like at two o'clock in the morning. So I'm just going to read the scriptures to you. Um, the first one is in 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, and it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his goodness. You know, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, has given us everything, each and every one of us, everything that yeah. we need for this life. And the second scripture was in Acts 1, and the first one is verse 4, and it's whenever that Jesus tells the disciple to wait for the gift my father had promised, which was the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8 it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in, Jer in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and in Southport and in Cardiff and in Manchester and in wherever. And I thought of these people running this race and they're running the race and they're, you know, it's hard for them. Sometimes they come across people that help them. Sometimes they come across people that don't help them. Um, and I thought, you know, we're running the race with a certainty. We're running a race with the ability and with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit with us. 
and we are guaranteed success in the race. You know, they're not guaranteed success, but we're guaranteed success. We're in guaranteed success because Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, is running the race with us. And um, when I woke up this morning, I mean, Roger thought, what on earth are you talking about when I told him this morning? It was very early when she mentioned this to me. What, well, like 10 o'clock, really. <laughs> but but it, it, for me, it was such a lovely picture that I, I'd, I'd loved seeing all these countries. I'd loved seeing all the, these things and understanding where different places were. But the race that we're running is even more exciting, is even more fulfilling. Yeah. And just the fact that we really do have the power and ability to be successful was such an exciting way to wake up this morning. And then you, you went into the whole thing that they have a, a rucksack or a backpack. Yeah, they have. All they Is got, that right? Yeah, they do. I'm looking, I'm looking for the... They're, they're with me over there. They're, they're, they're on board. <laughs> Just look for this gentleman here. He's got that. Yeah, you're doing yeah. okay. Good. They, are, they are dressed for the journey. <laughs> and on their, backpack, on, on their back, they've got a backpack. So they haven't really got very much. But I trust they've got a change of clothes and a few bits and pieces in there. But it made me think about what we wanted to share tonight, that um, there are so many things that we could share tonight. Honestly, the list could be endless. But we just wanted to think, in, at this season of our life, at this season of your life, what are the few things that we need for our journey? And, do you know, if you ask us this again in three months' time, we might tell you a completely different list, but this is today's list. You know, it's one of those, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? And it depends what day of the week you ask somebody. But um, tonight, we just wanted to share a handful of the things that are helping us in our journey, that are helping us run the race that God has called us to run. That's why, because these guys are racing the world, uh, we also, it's an interesting thing, we all, there's an old song, if, you, if you're really cool, uh, Dire Straits, remember, remember Dire Straits? They had a line in a song, it says, so we have just one world but we live in different ones. And in this room tonight, there are different worlds. Um, even though we all live in the same world, we go global because what we mean by that is we fill with the Holy Spirit, the life of Jesus, the world that we inhabit. It's important that otherwise we can get lost in this. Man, I, I can't go to Uzbeki, whatever that place is. But I have a world. So we have the world of who, who are students. You have the student world. Who are students? That's a world. I'm not in that world. Uh, medicine? Anybody in the world of medicine? Or health? Education? Administration? What, 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 are, what do you guys do? <laughs> what worlds do you, what, what worlds are you living in then? Retirement. Retirement. It's a great world, isn't it? But it is a world. It's a world of retirement. I'm in that world. What other worlds do you live in? Sir? Say again. IT. That's a world. Anybody else? Art. You live That's a world. See, whatever. You, there's the world of your job. That is a world. The world of your family. The world of your interests. The world of where you live. That's a world. And that's why we want to, don't want to say, right, let's go talk about the big thing about just going off into this world. It's how do I fill the world of IT? Because that's where you're spending a lot of your life. 
interacting with people, maybe technically, or, but you are living in that world. I don't live in that world. But Jesus lives in that world because you're there. See the point? I'm not at Edge Hill, but you are. And the world of Edge Hill is your world. And you fill Edge Hill with, with you. So Jesus is everywhere. He's gone global. So really what we're going to share, it's very subjective. But these are principles we believe that wherever world you're in, they work. Is that okay? So, where do we start? Which one? This one here? This might sound general, but we'll explain what it is. First thing, to say your thing, the first thing I, I think is important, or we think is important to have in your backpack, is to understand uh, that your life is a life that has to be under the living under the control of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? Now you think, well, that's obvious. Well, it is obvious. But you ever see a phrase in the Scriptures, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. And we think, that means I've got to get to meet and I've got to get tanked up and filled like I'm, like I'm pulling into the petrol station. It doesn't mean that. It just means this. Live every moment of your life under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's not an automaton. It sets the, it sets the, ratio, the, the, the balance of my life. The Holy Spirit is not my partner. He's not my mentor. He's not my counselor in that sense. He's my God. And I, I think I know I've said it here before. He hasn't come into my life to help me live my life. He loves me passionately. But he has come to live his life in me. You think, well, that's, it's not just words. It sets the balance. Otherwise, I'm going to live, and I'm going to think, I can, get, I can get through this on my own. I can do this, whatever world I'm in. And when I need the Holy Spirit, I'll call on him to come. And because he's gracious, he'll do that. But really, to fill my world, that is not the way I, I can live. He is the one who sets the agenda in my life. So my attitudes and the way I live, it's like this. I surrendered my life to Jesus when I was 13. And you know what? He took it. And he says, I'm now come, Roger. I'm come to live my life in you. And what I need from you is your cooperation and your surrender that I'm going to set the agenda. Now, that is not popular in today's world. Especially, even for Christians sometimes, because you think, it's my life, my rights, my freedoms, my choices, and God is here, is, is to affirm those choices. Not at all. He has come to live his life in me. And if I get that balance right, it's so much easier. Because I'm not struggling all the time, I'm just saying, what do I do? That's, how, that's why Jesus was a success. He said, all I do is this. I just see what the Father's doing. He said, well, what's the secret of your success? He says, I, well, it's not, he's not looking to heaven with visions. He's just saying, I'm listening. I know what he's like. I know his values. He guides me, and he tells me what to do. And you think, that is so blindingly obviously easy. Well, why not live that way? 
Why make it so complicated? Do you want to say anything on that? Go on. I was in um, a situation just a couple of weeks ago when uh, I was having an interview for something. And the person was interviewing me asked me a question that completely flummoxed me because he said to me um, about something that I would be doing, he said, how would you see your faith impacting you in that particular situation? And the reason it flummoxed me was because he seemed to imply that I would have part of my life when I was a Christian and part of my life when I wasn't a Christian. And I thought for me, I'm a Christian first and foremost. I love Jesus first and foremost. I don't have a life with Jesus and a life without Jesus. I only have a life with Jesus. So I didn't have the ability, and I explained that to him, I didn't have the ability to say how I, that I would behave any differently because I was a Christian in that situation. And if I wasn't a Christian in that situation, because I was a Christian. And I think it just brought home to me that we have one life, and that life is walking with Jesus, it's knowing him. Now, I know there are times when we have skills and abilities that God gives us, and we use those skills and abilities, but he's always with us, he's always working. He doesn't turn off, he doesn't switch off, and nor do we turn off or switch off. And um, I think they understood what I was getting at, but it was just a strange thought to think, there might be a Christian life for me and a non-Christian life when there isn't actually. And for us, there is only one life. Yeah, and being controlled by the Spirit doesn't mean that you wake up in the morning and think, I'm not moving till I get instructions. <laughs> you know, is it left foot out, right foot out first? Is it banana or muesli? Uh, you're not living like that. You're living your life. You think, I gotta go to work today. <laughs> gotta do the IT work. You're living your life, but constantly it's, I'm just going about my business, and the Holy Spirit has the absolute freedom just to guide and say, um, boom, what, why am I thinking about John Sutton Smith? I haven't thought about, I haven't seen John. Why am I thinking about John? Holy Spirit says, keep going, keep going. Give him some... <laughs> Well, the Holy Spirit said to me, John's got pots of money and he, can't, he wants to give it all away. <laughs> I'm not hearing God. <laughs> but silly things, it can be simple things. Do you ever find sometimes you, you do something and, and something will come into your mind and you think, why am I thinking about that? Why am I thinking about that person? Why am I thinking about that? You think, it's crazy. Don't, don't, don't doubt that. Like, it can be something, but sometimes the Holy Spirit is saying, boop, 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 boop. I'm trying to get your attention. And just say, Holy Spirit, are you, are you trying to tell me something? And he says, at long last. Just ask him another question. But other times he'll just guide you and he'll just do stuff. It's not like, you know, red light, green light, left foot, right foot. You're just living your life. But the important of that is, one of the big things, you get to know what he's like. And you get to know what he likes. And we'll talk more about that. Is that all right? Okay, do you want to go on to the next one? This one here? This one here, is that? Again, this, this seems to be really obviously simple. But um, 
it's important that we have a strong relationship with the Word of God, the Scriptures. I'm, I'm never tired of saying that. Um, of all the ways that he'll speak to you, this is the main way he'll do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you've just got to be sitting thinking, oh, I've got to read my Bible, read my Bible, read my Bible. Um, out of a duty, it's good to read the Bible, and you should read the Bible. Um, I am really bad at Bible reading plans. I'm not against them, but I'm useless at them. That's my confession. I remember once starting a Bible, doing a Bible reading, a Bible in a year, and on the first day, January 1st, I sat down and I said, I started reading, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and, and then I, I was going on to the next verse, because I think I've got to get my chapters done today. And the Holy Spirit said to me, not so fast. So I went, this is what I actually did. In the beginning, God created. <laughs> he said, I didn't mean that. I can be quite dumb. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, read it again. I said, I've got, to, I've got to get through my plan. Do you know what? I was six weeks in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I had a fantastic time. I gave up trying to get out of it. I physically couldn't get past it. But what I mean with I, what I mean with this is this: this is um, this is the incredible, incredible book. It's, it's, it's in, this is the power of God written down, and uh, especially if you've been a Christian a long time, or if you're a Christian, you think, "Oh, I, I don't understand it." Yes, you can. You can understand it. What you have to do is ask questions or ponder. Can I just give you an example of something I'm, I've, I've been doing, happened to me this last few days? You know the story of Joseph. This might sound silly and irrelevant to you, but it's happened to me. You know the story of Joseph, how Joseph goes into captivity. And then, uh, if you calculate it, he's about 28 years old. Remember, he's in the prison. And he's 28 years old, and he's having success. And these two guys have dreams. You know that? The, the baker and the cupbearer both have these dreams? And Joseph interprets them. Now, we know that God has, God has given these two guys dreams. You think, the story, you know, the story. And then he says, well, you, these are the interpretation of your dreams. And well, lo and behold, that's what happened three days later. But uh, the guy forgets to, to tell Pharaoh. And he thinks, okay, story goes on. And I'm reading the story. And then it says, two years later, God gives Pharaoh a dream. I must have read that story a thousand times. I think I know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, I thought, hang on a second. Hang on a second. God, and this is what I mean about the relationship with the Word of God, engaging with it. And I haven't got an answer for this. Okay, this is just something. God gives these two guys dreams. God does. He deals with the situation, and you think, well, why didn't you give Joseph a dream the next day? Uh, the Pharaoh the dream the next day? Why did you wait two years, God, to give Pharaoh a dream? And here's a guy in prison for two more years. Why? But if I'm just reading a story, I don't take time to think, no, I haven't got an answer. But what it's making me do is thinking, do you know how God, God works in ways that I wouldn't work? I would do it neat. 
I'd say, two dreams, and at the same night, Pharaoh's having a dream. So when the guy comes and Pharaoh says, well, that's the weirdest thing I thought. I had a dream too. He didn't do it. He kept two more years. Now, there's a whole more things, but I think when you come to the Bible and you read it, read it and inquire and ponder. But you might not get an answer, but you're thinking, it's made me think, do you know, God, faith is not neat. The way you work in my life isn't neat and tidy. Two years of a young man's life have gone by when you could have done that. Why didn't you? And he said, I haven't. Answers on a postcard, please, because I don't know. But it's making me think, God, there's something more in here than just the story. Do you know what I'm saying? I guarantee the more you do that, the more you just slow down and engage with the Bible when you're reading it, thinking, what does that mean? What's going on in this person's life? Why would you do that? God, it's meant, it's meant to be inquired of. And if you don't understand it, say, God, I don't understand it. Or even, God, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this story. Can you help me? You want to say something on this? Or am I going to talk too much? I think you're fine. That means I've talked too much. Does that make sense to you? I know it's a bit intangible, but it's just an invitation to... You don't have a big... You don't have to understand all the doctrines and the theologies. Just engage and ask her to speak. No, we'll talk about more, more later than that. Sorry. Taking it the time. Go on. No, no, you're fine. Okay. You going, you going there? I'll go there. Are you going to tell that, are you? Okay. Uh-huh. About your life? Uh-huh. Right, Roger's pointing things out to me that he thinks I don't know, but I do know. <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> when we know the power and ability we have, there's almost responsibility for us to put ourselves out there, put ourselves out of our comfort zone a little bit, you know, not just take things easy, not just take things for granted. And um, I, I've had a, a little bit of an adventure myself in this last year because at the beginning of last year, um, I felt the Lord really speak strongly to me that I needed to, it was time for me to take early retirement. Uh, and, do you know, I loved my job. Tell I loved the people I work with. I was an accountant for an investment uh, company. Um, really enjoyed it, loved it, loved the dynamic of it, loved the stress and the pressure of it, very happy in the environment. Um, and I just felt God say to me, Diane, it's time to lay that down. And... Uh, I knew it was God, and I laid it down. And as you know, almost as soon as I told anybody that I was going to take early retirement, you know, people in the church, even family, the first thing they say to me, "Well, what are you going to do next?" You know, and even my son said to me, "Mum, are you going to get another job?" And um, <laughs> you know, this was the start of a, of a journey for me. And I have a feeling, I I think you prophesied or you shared this morning about you know sometimes a door closes before another one opens and that's how my life works a door closes and then another one opens and um, I took early retirement at the end of September and you know what I'm really happy and I was really happy and it was just wonderful and uh, I terribly miss the people that I work with and my own team really miss them and have little catch-ups with them and things which is lovely 
Um, but I hadn't long finished when I was approached to say, would the church in Cardiff, we wanted to set up a, a debt center for Christians Against Poverty, and would I, would I head it up? And do you know what? I was delighted. I thought, yep, yeah, Lord, that's the sort of thing I'd like to get involved in. And then there was another appeal we had one Sunday morning to help. We've got a mother and toddlers group called Little Stars. Um, with some, you know, we need people to help with that. And my daughter-in-law was helping run that. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm free on a Friday morning. I can go along and help in Little Stars. Now, the cap thing is, uh, is a bit more my bag. Little Stars, helping with mums with little tots, doing cups of tea. You know, I can do it and it's fine. But I just felt God say, Diane, I, need, I just want you to step out into things that you're not necessarily comfortable with. Put me in front of a computer, give me a spreadsheet. I am the happiest person in the room. Put me in some of these, <laughs> put, put me in some, <laughs> some of those other environments and I, I'm not so happy. But I have found God stretching me and moving me. And do you know, we had a, a funny experience coming up here yesterday when um, we, we, we took a route up, come up mid Wales. Normally we get to Warrington. I'm going to say we turn right. We might not turn right, but anyway, we go on the we M6. We do turn right, actually. We do turn right. Yeah, no, we come up the M6 and okay. turn left. We turn the M6, turn left, anyway. And as we come up to Warrington, I said to Roger, I said, let's go rogue today <laughs> and let's not go in the M6. So we had to stop the car. We live on the edge, you know. Had to stop the car, <laughs> get, get the map out, and we figured out how we'd come up and come up St. Helens. And it was a really lovely journey. Um, now, nothing miraculous happened on the journey. Nothing amazing happened, but it was just one of Except those... Except we just missed the road, massive crash. We did, but... By a few minutes. We did, and that, that's fine. Four-car pile-up on a yeah. big junction, and we just missed it. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. And, and this, today, we'd been out for lunch with Jeff and Pam, which we always do when we come here, and suddenly Jeff says, I'm going to take you, take you back a different route. So he takes us all the way through this route through Southport. And where, we did, where did we go? Church. Where? Narnia. We were we're in Narnia. Narnia. We, we, were out in the, we were out in the wild lands, in the bad we lands. And, and we saw these little <laughs> houses, which must have been that, or were they a bit bigger, Jeff? <laughs> a little bit bigger. But I, it, all of this just made me think, do you know, life is a bit of an adventure and it's so easy to get up and do the same thing day after day after day and god wants us to have an adventure and sometimes we make our own adventures sometimes we're the people that needs to take that step out um and i know my examples are potentially a little bit silly but that's sort of how my brain works but i've enjoyed the looking out and seeing different places. I enjoyed today actually finding another little part of Southport that we didn't know anything about. And I think, do you know, Lord, you want me to enjoy my life. He wants us to enjoy our life. He wants us to be fulfilled in what we're doing. And not to be tired and not to get bored, but just to enjoy the adventure. So. Yeah, on that, I'm just thinking as you're talking, looking back over life, you, you know us or you know me as I am in these recent years of my life, but when I was younger, um, I was incredibly shy, very shy. Uh, I, w I didn't like to stand up in front of people, do anything, and the thought of actually standing up and doing this, well, it never would enter my head. 
and, and uh, or standing up and speaking to people and doing anything, because I was shy. And uh, I didn't know it, but God had a plan that he, this is what I would be doing. And uh, just looking, I had a little flashback. What happened was, I, when I was a teenager, God began to work in, in my life, and, and uh, I fell in with a, a youth group and an evangelist called Mervyn Morgan, who's now with the Lord, a great guy. And he took us under his wing, and uh, we used to go places with him, and he had this rule, and he called it RFA, ready for anything. And the rule was, whatever he asked you to do, you had to do. And he said, you, you know, you're coming out with me. Well, in those days, we would do the coffee bars, and we would go to universities and colleges and factories. And um, I would... I would I was, I was singing in a, in a band, and that was my kind of thing. I could, I could sing the, the harmonies, but I, I hid behind that, so I didn't have to say anything. But with Merv, he would say to you, um, Rog, get up there, and you give your testimony. I think, over my dead body, Merv. And he'd say, okay, uh, we'll sort that out later. But what happened was, uh, I, I, I had this, I know, I know that Jesus wants to use me, but I was not going to put myself out there. And if I hadn't put myself out there past my, it was a fear zone, I would never be here today. And you just think, how? Because God says, I know when I'm going to get you, and you've got these dreams, but you're going to have to move beyond these things. And uh, sometimes it's like, what if I do? Well, what's the worst that can happen? What, what if I lay hands on someone and they don't get healed? But what if they do? What if I get up and have a prophecy and it's not a prophecy? But what if it is? <laughs> yeah. What if I do give John Sutton Smith all my money? <laughs> you haven't got any. <laughs> Sorry, John. It, it's getting over that. It's not, we're not lazy people. But sometimes it can be, uh, oh, Sue will do it. <laughs> Sue will do it. Okay. Uh, Ali will do it. No, because, Rog, you do it. And there comes a time when your dream has to, and you have to put your, your foot in it and say, I'm going to do this. Um, and God will always back you up. Yeah. Is that okay? That's an important thing to have in the backpack. I don't watch this program, but these folks, they must have watched the program and they had to say, I'm going to do that. So they had to move beyond the, I'm going to do that, switch channel. They had to fill an application form and then gets chosen and they suddenly find themselves with a backpack facing a trip across Canada thinking, what did I do? You put yourself up there. Put yourself out there. Sometimes they don't think they can do it. No. And the person alongside them is the person that encourages them. Well, who's the person? That co- Holy Spirit. Exactly. Come on. Exactly. Let's have a go. He does that to me all the time. Go on, have a go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This one? Yeah. Um, is this okay? This is, they're very practical things, but this is how the Holy Spirit works in this normal world. It's yeah. like the stories I was telling you this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's important as well that we don't treat people as 
um, evangelism objects, that we've got a genuine interest in people, that we've got a genuine love and a genuine care for people. And I, I found that very much with helping with the mother and toddler group, um, because I've started to, you know, I've been doing this for some weeks now, and I started to, you know, just talk to some of the mums, and you get to know them, and they tell you all different sorts of story. And I find when I'm away, some of them I'm praying for them, and, you know, I'm telling them I'm praying for them. And I really am genuinely concerned for them or genuinely wanting to help them. And I know we want to move on and we want to run an alpha course and because ultimately we do want to see them saved. But I didn't want to see them as a tool to get into an alpha course just to get saved. I wanted to like them, to love them, to be concerned for them. Um, and I think that's really important that people are not evangelism tools. People need to be loved. People need to need to be cared for. And um, I think Jesus, Jesus went about doing good, loving people, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, so we can do the same, go about doing good. I think you said this morning about doing good, didn't you? Yeah, it's a big thing, massive yeah. thing. Jesus didn't go around for people thinking, I've got to get you saved. He just loved people. Not everybody loved him back. But he didn't go out and say, I've come to get them all saved. Jesus said, I've come because I love them. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit have a genuine interest in people. Yeah. Um, sometimes I, we have to be people people. I, can't, I don't know who said this. It might be Maya Angelou it might, or someone like that. He said, people won't remember what you said to them but they'll remember how you made them feel. They won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them, how you made them feel. And, and Jesus was a, was a person because the Holy Spirit was at work in him doing good. He took a genuine interest and care in people. So, so for instance, like uh, when you go to a restaurant and the waiter serves you, you take an interest in them. Or they, no, they're just a waiter. Jeff is an angle because he's always after free food <laughs> and extra portions. <laughs> but it's, a, it, it's when you're going to Asda or Little. What's your little phrase? You say? I'll say the phrase now, yeah. yeah. It's, um, I saw it, and I wish this was in the Bible, but I think it is in paraphrase. It says, be someone who makes everyone feel like someone. I'll say it again. Be someone who makes everyone feel like someone. Now, it's not gushing. Oh, you're the most wonderful person in the world. But you know how you make someone feel like someone? When they're talking to you, you listen to them. Just give them words. It's not like, oh, you're from Amara, yeah, and I'm looking over here. I think, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, at the moment I'm talking to you, you're the most important person in the world. And you know that if I'm faking it, you know if I'm just going through the time of day with you because I want to get on. People read you. And the Holy Spirit is in, our, in your world, whatever it is, IT, education, finance, the people you're working with every day, the people who drive you up the wall maybe, but you take an interest in who they are. They're people. 
And here's another thing, which I am learning to adopt, is that everybody knows something I don't know. Most of you will know loads of stuff I don't know. But everyone knows something you don't know. So when you talk to someone, it's Jesus talking to them. And you're thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm like, tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. Engage with them. Listen mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Humble yourself. That's what Jesus did. He just didn't sit down, right, I'm giving you the Sermon on the Mount. He engaged with people. He talked with people. You have to give people time. You have to enter a relationship with them, especially in this country. We had a YWAM team with us recently from Brazil, and uh, was it Rebecca? She made this very interesting observation after being with us for about 10 weeks. She said, in Brazil, in Latin America, South America, it's very easy. Someone on the street, you talk to them and you preach, share the gospel, and they get safe. She said, that doesn't work in the West. She said, you have to build a relationship with someone. That's how most people get saved. Someone builds a relationship. And you're, that's your world. If you think just for a moment of all the people in your world, we've probably got several hundred people between us and the, and the, rest. And the rest. If you just think of your world, all those people, and you think, boy, how can I, how can I take an interest in all these people? Because the Holy Spirit does. And as you listen to them, you find, I don't know what it is, but I find I can sit down with a total stranger and within five minutes they're telling me everything about them. And they say, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I don't know you. And I think, I'm not nosy. I just seem to be able to listen. Which is strange because I don't have blab on a lot. (laughs) Thank you. But, Roger, the testimony of Jesus. Go on. The testimony of Jesus is really important as well. And the way we treat people, for some people, they will be all that you, they will ever see of Jesus. And that becomes the, the, the testimony of Jesus, the way that you treat them, the way you speak to them, the way you behave towards them. So the testimony of Jesus is, is at stake as well in the way that we treat people. Yeah, just thinking, my brother's wife, my brother was a Christian some years ago and fell away from God and then came back and got restored to the Lord. And in the meantime, he'd married a, a, a lady and uh, they'd been together for about 10 years and they got married and he, his life was back with the Lord and she wasn't a Christian. And, uh, you know, we love her and she's part of the, our life. But she showed no interest in Jesus at all. And then uh, last year, James, you know, you know James, you know James and Saskia, my son, you know, that's our claim to fame now, I'm James Aubrey's dad. Uh, James and Saskia went up to see them, they lived not far from us, and they had a day with them. And uh, the next day, Julie, who, my sister-in-law, she sent me a message and she said, we had a fantastic day with Saskia yesterday and James. She won't mind me telling the story because she's very pleased with it. And she said, um, you know, I love being part of this family. She said, you're all crazy, but I love the family. And she said, um, I've decided I've given my life to Jesus. So I said, I said, look at this. So we contacted Saskia. She said, I know, I know, I know. And she said, and Saskia said this, I never mentioned Jesus. The whole day, I never mentioned Jesus. 
So when I went to see Julie, she said, do you know what? She said, we just had a great time and just being with Saskia and just the way you all are. I mean, the family is, we say, well, it's top. They're top. Crazy. But she said, I, I've just seen the way that you are over all these years. And I've, there's emptiness in me and I wanted what you have. And I went for a long walk. I just cried and cried and cried. And I just asked Jesus to come into my life and he did. Now she works with Diane in the in the, little, in the little stars on a Friday morning. Why? Because she's not putting herself out there. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Go on then. What's the next one? You can do, you can do any order you like. Do your Go on then. No, because you, you do that because you... It was you that got the idea, not me. That time, remember? Do you remember the story? Yeah. I'll, I'll set you up. <laughs> Diane... You ready for this? Several. This happened a few years ago now. Diane and I were asked to share with a, a I think it was a young people's group or a group of people, uh, and the, the brief was, could you tell us why you're so, so, why you're so successful? <laughs> I thought, what? They said, they, what they were, it was a great compliment. They said, listen, you've been Christians a long time, meaning, Rod, you're old, um, but you still seem to be going for it. And uh, you've got some things right, and you know, we, we admire certain things. Can you give us this, all, the, all the secrets of your success? And we went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going home thinking, I haven't got a clue. And it was coming close to when we were there going, and we were sitting down, and we were, well, I was panicking. And I said, we had a blank piece of paper. I said, what, what do we say? I, I don't know. What, what is it? And, I, and you said, I know what it is. And you said. But we just keep saying yes. Yeah. Go on. Well, we just keep saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't change if I say it however <laughs> many times I, I really say. set you up there. You did. Okay. But there's more to it than that. There is. But I, I think, you know, I believe when I get up each day, whatever God puts in my hand to do is what he wants me to do for that day. And I can just say yes to him. And I don't need to scrabble about trying to find things. And, you know, my yes for today or my yes for tomorrow, it might be making a meal for somebody who's not well. It might be doing some ironing for somebody. It might be having coffee with somebody. Goodness only knows what it might be. But it's so easy just to say yes when you're asked to do something. Now, there might be legitimate reasons why you can't. I completely get that. But sometimes we just need to put ourselves out, put ourselves out a little bit and just say yeah, I can do that, Lord. I've been asked to do it. Yeah, I can do it. I've got your Holy Spirit in me. I've got all that ability, all that power. Of course I can do that. And over the years, looking back, when we realized that's what it was, um, it was sometimes when we said yes to the Lord, we had no idea why we were saying yes or where it was taking us. It, it seemed to be taking... Well, we got baptized in the Holy Spirit because we, we ended up going to a church that didn't believe the Bible. And me being a good evangelical, I thought there's no way I'm going to go to a church that didn't believe the Bible. But because of a set of circumstances, we ended up going to a church. Uh, and uh, I met on that very first Sunday, a couple had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And two months later, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That transformed our whole life. But we just said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Um, sometimes the yeses that you say are easy, sometimes they're not, because you know the consequence. You did a very, very brave thing this morning, 
Ewing did a, those of you who put out your hands to the Lord, and he said, what's in your hand? And you put out, and, he, and you knew what's in your hand. And then you stood in response. He's going to ask, he's going to ask you to do what he, what he showed you. He will. It wasn't an exercise. He said, you know, you know you're going to do that, don't you? And so when he does it, just say yes. And uh, that, is, that is one of the most powerful things you have. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay, yes. Yes, yes. Because the consequence is not yours. It's his business. The consequence is his. Just say, oh, well, it's okay. It's on you. He said, my shoulders are big enough, son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They really are. You just say yes. Does that make sense? Jeff, you going to say something there? You look like you're thinking now. Oh, you're, you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a big thing, increase. isn't it? That's your thinking. It's a big thing, though. It's a secret. Just say yes. Yeah, sure, certainly can. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a big thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 the massive thing difference. Yeah. I think I may have said it earlier. I didn't realize it, but when I gave it to him, he took it. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just uh, on that, Jeff? Because I I think sometimes as well, some people think that if you're in full-time ministry, that then you're sort of something special and you're really working for Jesus and none of the rest of us are actually doing anything. That's, that's the pinnacle. Um, now, Roger was full-time for many years. I worked, in, I worked for many years, but I knew that I was doing what God wanted me to do and equipped me to be in the workplace. And I was taking the kingdom of God into the workplace. Now, that was as equally valuable as what Roger was doing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't more valuable, but it was as equally valuable. And for each person that's working, you know, God equips them and wants them to be the best them that they can be in the workplace. Because that's the testimony of Jesus in the workplace. Now, I'm really fortunate that when I left my job, I really had some very nice things said about me, but the one thing that touched me more than anything was that people that I didn't even know knew that I was a Christian mentioned that, I, that my faith had had an impact on them. And I think, you know, be as students, whatever job you get, you be the best you that you can be. You know, you get to the highest that you can get, you get to the most influence that you can get. Because the kingdom of God is massive, and that's another way when we're talking about reaching, you know, reaching, reaching your world, reaching the world, reaching your world. You reach your world by being the best you that you can be, and doing everything that God tells you to do. Yeah. This was a particular favorite of mine, and it's become a particular favorite of mine um, because I'm finding it, it's it's really affecting my relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
and that's, uh, uh, we, and we saw it this morning, and that's uh, being curious, being inquisitive. Did you notice this morning when we read the story of Moses that Moses was just out every, like every other day, and he, 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 was, he would see bushes burning every day. So that's what they do in the desert. But the interesting thing was, he saw this one, and it kept burning. Um, and he just said, ooh, I'm going over to have a look. Why? Because he was curious. And his life changed. God didn't come to him and say, Moses, from the mountain. He did that later at Hebron, at Horeb. Moses, he, all he did was, I'm going to set a little fire here, holy fire, and it's burning. Let's see what he does. Imagine if Moses had gone on and say, another fire. Come on, boys. But he didn't. He was curious. And it says he went over to look. And God, will, God feeds off your curiosity. He did this. You, ever, you know Zacchaeus? You know, you know Zacchaeus in the scriptures? Well, I love him because he's, he's not going out to get saved. He's not saying, ooh, the Savior's coming. I'm going to give my life to him. He just says, I'm going to check this guy out. But because there's a big crowd there, he says, uh, I'm going to climb a tree. He's just curious because he's, he's heard about this guy Jesus, the miracle work and the teaching. He says, I'm going to check him out. And he's just there thinking, oh, that's interesting. This is interesting. All of a sudden, this guy looks up and says, Oi, Zacchaeus, what? Uh, get down, I'm, I'm coming to your house for something to eat. But Jesus fed off his curiosity. And curiosity is a really big important thing for the Holy Spirit because what it does, it stops you getting cynical. The cynic has seen it all. Yeah? The cynic knows it all. Ah, there's nothing new. I've heard that before. I've been there before. I bought that T-shirt. The curious person says, ooh, what's happening there? What's going on there? And God says, uh, come on. And you'll find, if you haven't found it already, the Holy Spirit will just bring things across your path, out of your reference point, and he's just wafting past and thinking, I wonder if David is going to, I wonder if David is going to, it's interesting because, can I, can I say what happened? About when we were here last year, David gave me a manuscript about the journey with Gwen. And he said, would you, would you get, read this for me? Tell me what you think. And I took it back and I, I was curious because I thought, I wonder what this is. And as I read it, I thought, wow, this is really important. This is a book, which was, but you hadn't set out to write a bestseller. <laughs> but there was a, I thought, why is he giving me this? It was curious. And I come to it thinking, ooh, and as I read it, I thought, Lord, what can you do with this? And that's why. It's a fantastic book. Be, are you curious? 
be curious. And don't let anybody just say, oh, no, don't. Just put cold water on your curiosity. Be inquisitive. Be nosy. Ask questions. Yeah. Sniff around. You see what, think, Lord, what are you up to? You might see something in the gathering. What are you, what, what are you doing there, Lord? What's happening here? Do you want to say anything on that? It's important to be a half-full-glass person, not a half-empty-glass person. You know, they talk about people that are, the glass is half-full, they're full of enthusiasm, full of expectation, and a person where the glass is half-empty, everything's not so good, they're receiving lots of good things in life. Um, and we were, we were talking about this when we were in Dolan last year, just about the importance of, of being that sort of person, you know, positive, having a good outlook, um, seeing the best in a situation. We are helpful people. And one of the ladies came up to us at the end and she said, I just suddenly realised, she said, that I'm responsible for keeping myself helpful. So she had to do something herself to make sure that she didn't become a and that's what the Holy Spirit does for us, is we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He keeps us fresh, he keeps us full of expectation, full of hope, full of joy, full of strength. So as we're going on our journey, it's always expecting the best. It's always thinking, do you know what? I don't know how this is going to work out, but it's going to work out. I don't know what the journey is going to be like, but I know it's going to work out. It's a bit like you know, when John gave his testimony this morning about his job. Um, I really, we both really enjoyed hearing the testimony this morning. And it would be so easy for that for being a testimony of doom and gloom. But he actually used the phrase and he said, When I heard the news, I was in peace. And you think that's the most unnatural condition for a man to be in who's just heard he's, loved, he's losing his job. But the Holy Spirit had kept him in peace. And at the end of the week, he suddenly found out there's another opportunity. And you think, well, God, why did you not tell him that on the Monday or Tuesday? Why did he have to have a whole week of not done that? But God would have been doing something in him and in his family. And, um, you know, God wants us to see things the way that he sees them. He wants us to see things with a hope and with a future. Yeah, it's half full of, you know, it's a glass half full or half empty. It's really important to have that reaction when you enter your day, when you enter your working life, when you come into your family. Are you negative or are you positive? I'm not one of these cheesy charismatics, you know, everything's fine, but life is falling apart. Hallelujah, praise God. No, you face stuff, but you're, you're half full. You're just half full. It's not half empty. In fact, the lady shared with us an that she's 80. More than 80, isn't she? She spent, she was a big wig in the Methodist church in Gilman, in Illinois, and the Holy Spirit met her, and after 18 years in the Methodist church, she left. And, I mean, they really, they really went for her, and she joined the community in Gilman. The issue is at 18, putting herself out, saying, my life's still, but God has shown me something more of his kingdom, I know you can move. That's brave. Her reputation went down the pan in, in the town, in the Methodist. But she, but then she said, Did you know, half full is so important, she said, and the only person who can fill the glass is me. I'll get you to do it. 
my attitude. And the Holy Spirit will feed off your attitude. If you're always moaning and complaining, the Spirit says, for goodness sake, stop. You've got to create a garden in your life of half full, half full. Is it, is it going to rain today? Who cares? No. It's a, it's a good day. My friend Laura Vasquez, has been through a lot in his life. He lost his first wife to cancer when she was only 48. But uh, he, would, he would sit down sometimes and say, Life is wonderful. <laughs> Bring another ring to eat. <laughs> but uh, life is good. I mean, life is tough, life is hard, but life is wonderful. It is. What did it say? Yeah. It is. Yeah. I'll share something. Yeah, it's okay. I was going to finish it. Okay. Yeah. An important thing which uh, I think David mentioned this morning, we're going to take the ties off. Um, it's just part of our love and worship of sowing and reaping. The Holy Spirit loves sowing and reaping. Uh, and you were, well, David said it's so important this morning. It's not just duty. We do it because it's the right thing to do. Don't we? we bring God his tithe, we give him his offering, we sow and we reap. But I took the time. Sometime ago recently, thinking, why, why, Lord, is it important to know what the Holy Spirit likes? And I said, why do you like tithes and offerings? Why do you like it that we do it? it? He likes it. It's not like, just do it. He likes it. And he said this to me. He said, when you sow, and when you reap, you're in, I'm involving you in what I'm doing. If you think, if you sow a word of kindness, or you sow a John of your money, you are, you're involving in what the Spirit is telling you to do. And when you're sowing and when you're reaping, you're actually heightening and involving in what God is doing. It's, you don't just see it as what I'm sowing, I'm bringing my time to give my offering, or you're so giving of kindness, of words, blessing, all these things. You're doing it because God is saying, I'm involving you in what I'm doing. Let me show you. How many of you here this morning? And did I tell you the story about chocolate? Yeah. You remember? Best chocolate in the world? Yeah. You believe in miracles? Yeah. An angel of God.
and an angel of God appeared to me in the form of Ali Wolf. Hmm. He said, I have something for you. Wow. And by chance, by luck, I had to tell a story this morning about a barber shop that I sold to a lady. Remember the story? And Ali, just by chance, had a past, had one in her cover at home. But, Ali, you might be doing this, girl. Oh. Yes, how long have you had it in the cover? Don't say five years. See <laughs> that? You, you've had it just stay in the cover knowing that this is a special occasion. I would feel <laughs> You think, oh, it's just a silly bottle of chocolate. There's an object lesson for you. Out of all the places in the world, I've come to I tell a story about another shot alive. And God has another shot alive sitting in the cupboard for me. Yeah. You believe in coincidence? Yeah. I don't believe in that. I believe God loves me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to remind you, jealousy is a sin. Jealousy is a sin. We need to look for 
the church where God wants us to belong and the business will follow, right? That's what he said. And the moment you switched your mind, you made it to the Lord, things began to start a different way, didn't they? Now that is a very important principle of the Spirit. It's always to Him. The priority is Him. And uh, that, that is a, that's a classic mistake that people make. I make my plan, and then I will put, the, put the Holy Spirit on it. Holy Spirit says, no, I'm the agenda. And we'll work everything from there. That is why they're here. That's why you're successful. Because God will bless you because he said, you put the right, you put the right order. But you were a Christian beforehand. And it wasn't sinful. But he just said, oh, of course, it's to the Lord. And when you say it's to the Lord, everything goes. Praise you. Bless you. Dave, could you get ready for a second? Thank you. Um, the last one is really how to explain this. When you fill up your world, it's important you also keep an eye and an understanding of the bigger picture of the worlds outside of your world, the kingdom that we belong to. That we are not just my little world, we are part of something enormous. Yes. We are part of a kingdom that is encompassing all cultures, all racial colors, all backgrounds. All spheres of society, everything. And the bigger that you make your world and fill your world, don't just think, I'm filling this world. The Spirit of God is the eternal Spirit of God who is filling all things. And what you will find, be prepared because the Holy Spirit will just break you out of your world at times to put you into another one which will mean bigger challenges. It might not mean you've got to give up your career. Well, it did for you, because you had a successful career in multiculture. James is an accountant and all this and all this. I've got more plans for you. I'm breaking out of your world. But you think you might not do that. You might keep you in your world. But all the time you're aware, you are part of something massive. You're part of something in this town that is highly significant. Yeah. Okay. It's having an effect. You have a reputation across the world. I know that I have a privilege of going across the world. And people speak of you. People speak of this church in terms of there are faithful people. They have been here a long time. They've been through a lot, but they've never quit. And in recent years, especially this last year, people have spoken to you saying, Do you know what? They have battled an enemy of sickness, and they've battled, and they're continuing to battle, and you're continuing to battle. You have a fine reputation. Hold on, don't get proud of it, but you have a reputation of faithfulness, uh, of revelation, you have a faithfulness, you're committed to God, and recently you've had a incredible reputation. Here are people who have been facing an amazing challenge in health. You stood, and you're, and you're still fighting it. Oh, thank you.
I'm winning. I'm winning because, as we said, you will prevail. You might get injured, but you will get, you will prevail because you are a kingdom people. But keep that big picture. What's happening in India is known across the world. So I want to encourage you and bless you. Is that okay? All right. You're in the same. Thank you ever so much for coming. I trust that's, I know it's a scattered you know, very subjective and it might you just take that and shoot and whatever you want. Okay? But stick things in your backpack. And if you ever watch this program now, it's across the world. She realize you've got all that stuff. And how cool my wife is. Um, you know that song, um, wait. I was going to say, I was going to say, you make it. It's hard. Uh, you know, we sing a song, uh, you are. Oh, yeah, can't tell you. Oh, thank you, you're my It says, um, we sing a song, you are the way maker, miracle worker, on this beat, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Well, we're going to put this in the Because that's, God says of us, I know we believe that in God, but we believe that in us. 